Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden. Of course, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm very glad, as always, that you've decided to join us this Saturday morning on WRWH 93.9 FM at 10 a.m. It is another Saturday morning, and what a week we've had. Some interesting weather, of course. I guess we saw just a touch here in the mountains of that uh, storm that came through Florida. So we did have some rain, but it's summer. And, you know, we got to take what we can get. When it comes to summer in the South, we've got to take the rain that we can get. And it may be a lot, it may be a little. That's the thing about our climate here, is that usually when it rains, it rains. It's pretty heavy. Not all the time. So <laughs> just look to the sky and see what happens. You know, I don't know if you can trust the weatherman or not. I don't know if you should. Because I think that's the only profession that you can be wrong 10 out of 10 times and still, still have a job. <laughs> Maybe that and politicians, right? But we don't have to go there because we are going into the garden, into the landscape. And today we're going to talk about a topic that comes up from time to time in the world of horticulture. Of course, I spend my weeks at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, a small garden center, Mon Pa store, and we get clients who come in asking about either covering the ground with plants, we call them ground covers, or covering a view with plants. Now, what I mean by covering a view, of course, is either a screen or a hedge or something to hide or give a sense of protection to your space. Now, of course, usually that is a screen or hedge planted along your property line, separating you from your pesky neighbors. Those pesky neighbors. Now, as a matter of fact, some other folks will say it's not that they're they're pesky. Not that they're trying to look in on my place. But it's the fact that maybe they have some kind of storage. There was an individual just this week who wanted to screen off his neighbor's property because the neighbor was in the race car business and he had race cars parked in the backyard. And of course, near this gentleman's pool was not a great view So what would be a nicer view than uh, race cars, whether they're uh, in good shape or not? I do not know. Rust buckets, maybe. But uh, regardless, a nice view from the pool would look better surrounded by some plant material. And so, of course, I got to chat with him and show him some plants that would give him the look he was going for. You got to think about size when it comes to screens. Some screens can be very large, and I'm going to recommend some of those today. But 
Some could just be a short hedge, maybe trimmed down to six, ten feet tall or so. And you've got to figure out the space yourself, figure out what is going to work. And of course, you know, you go to a local plant nursery to pick out some plants. And I'm sure, just like the folks at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where I spend my time, uh, those folks will be able to help you assist figuring out what is going to be best for your situation. But on the other hand, I thought we'd converge these two topics into one show, if, if I can squeeze them in, because the other side is not uh, covering a view, but covering the ground, ground covers. And of course, ground covers come in all shapes, sizes, forms, and special characteristics. So uh, the same philosophy goes for this, that you need to make sure you know what you want to do. Do you need a ground cover that's going to keep its leaves all year? Well, you may not have as many blossoms because most plants, it's just an observation I've made, but most plants that are evergreen, they may bloom, but they may not bloom as much as plants that are, uh, you know, drop their leaves, are deciduous throughout the wintertime. And so again, you've got to judge your space based on your goals and what the site demands, what it requires. Is it sunny? Is it shady? I'm going to make notes uh, today when we talk about plants, about plants that will work in either condition uh, so that you can choose plants successfully, see them grow, and see them grow well. But before we jump into the meat of today's conversation, I should take a few moments to remind you that, you know, this is, this is summer, and not just summer in the garden, but summer in your life. So that means that you may be traveling you may be away from your hometown radio station right here in Cleveland, Georgia, and you may be missing out on a lot of great programming that you are used to listening to when you're at home. But if you're traveling in a way, how can you possibly stay in touch with what is going, in, going on in your own backyard? Well, it's very easy because, of course, you can find WRWH and all of its great programs on the TuneIn app. And, of course, the TuneIn app is very easy and convenient to take along in your pocket because the TuneIn app can be downloaded to your smartphone or to your tablet, your smart tablet. And you just search for WRWH, and it will ask you to put a little heart beside that station because that lets these, the, uh, the app know that you love WRWH, and I know that you do because you are a great listener, and we love that you join us, particularly here on New Southern Garden every Saturday. So with that in mind, if you've missed any show, you couldn't listen live for some reason, maybe you slept in, that's okay, uh, <laughs> you can check out this program online at NewSouthernGarden.com, and of course, Every pretty much every podcasting app that's out there, you can pull up any show that we've ever had on demand at your own will and beckon and call, and you can listen. So if you've missed some gardening tips, don't worry. They are out there at NewSouthernGarden.com and, of course, the podcasting apps. With that being said, don't forget. Don't forget that the end of the month, the end of the month, New Southern Garden, we put on our Q&A episode, our Q&A show. And that is where we go to the mailbag, whether you submitted a question via the webpage at NewSouthernGarden.com or if you have submitted a question to our Facebook page or Instagram page. Now, of course, on Facebook and Instagram, you can supply us with pictures and photographs or videos if you so choose, because sometimes it takes a little bit of uh, video and photography work to get the point across, especially if you're looking at a plant you need help to identify or if you have a plant problem 
such as diseases or insects. Or if you want us to help you figure out if you have deer or rabbits that are chewing on your plants, a photograph can definitely help me help you answer that problem. So check us out on Facebook and Instagram as well. Now, let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and start talking about covering the view and covering the ground. We're going to use two different types of plants, many types of plants, but two different groups of plants to do that. We're going to use large plants to hide the view, whether you have those pesky neighbors who keep looking in, easing in on your backyard barbecue, or if you have soil that appears to be eroding with the rain that we do have, then you need to be covering the ground with very low, very small plants. So the first group of plants we're going to talk about are plants to make a screen or plants to make a hedge with. Now, again, these are going to be quite robust, but each one has its own characteristics that I will explain to help you figure out which one would be best for you. So again, the general concept behind a screen or a uh, 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 or a hedge is that we are planting a long row or a long grouping of plants that are going to grow wide and full and touch each other so that we don't have any breaks in this screen. We can not see through it because it gives you that privacy and it gives you also, you know, from the design perspective, gives you an intimate space, whether it's around a pool, a backyard, something like that. No problem. Well, the very first plant that many people think of still to this day is a plant called Leland Cypress. And we have used Leland Cypress for decades now uh, along property lines and uh, roadways just to give protection to our homes. Well, Leland Cypress unfortunately turned out to be a pretty bad plant. That's right. If you have Leland Cypress, I know of some that are growing near my house. Unfortunately, they're not mine, so I can't chop them down and replace them. But the Leland Cypress does get very large. It could grow up to 60 feet tall and at least 30 feet wide in its lifetime. But the trouble is their lifetime has become shorter and shorter. From the day that you plant a Leland Cypress, you can expect 10 12, maybe 15 years out of that plant if you are lucky. Usually about 12 years into 15 years, they start to get a few diseases. The main diseases they have are generally called cankers, and it is bacterial or fungus, depending on which kind of canker it acquires or is infected with. But they slowly will kill the plant if, if you don't treat it. And a very large plant is hard to treat, trust me, folks. You'll have to remove branches high up in the canopy. You'll have to clip off tips and use some uh, fungicide and whatnot to try and prevent the, the decay or the death of that plant. And it's just become a cumbersome thing. Now, the other thing that is not really a problem for the Leland Cypress, uh, well, it becomes a problem. A lot of folks, when they plant small trees, they plant them close together. And it's okay. It would be fine for the Leland to be planted very close together if it didn't suffer from these disease issues. Because the closer plants are together, if one acquires a disease, then you can pretty much expect the rest of those plantings to get it because they are very close, touching branches, transferring disease very easily. It's much like sending a kid to school. Once one kid has a disease, you know, maybe the smallpox, uh, smallpox, oh gosh, no, the chicken pox, <laughs> smallpox is gone, but if they get chicken pox or a cold, 
then you know that other kids will start to get them. They're crammed in a, in a, in a room side by side all day. The same thing is true with plants. And so we try to steer far away from this plant called Leland Cypress. And so I've got a few that give you a similar look and similar size, but don't suffer from the diseases that Leland Cypress do. Leland Cypress also suffer from weak branches, and that becomes a very important characteristic to think about in the wintertime here in the South, because traditionally, or here lately at least, we haven't had many snows. If we have a snow, things melt and freeze. We have ice storms. We have a lot of ice storms in the wintertime, or we have the potential for that, and that heavy ice as it freezes will break your branches, and then you've got a mess and potential liabilities. So let's talk about a plant that is a great alternative for covering the view, uh, as opposed to Leland Cypress, uh, covering your neighbor's property that may have some junky things on it, or if you have some uh, unsightly buildings from all this recent development we're seeing. I know in our area, buildings are going up, warehouses are going Going up dramatically, dramatically fast. And so we've got to protect ourselves from that. Well, Green Giant Arbor Viety. Green Giant Arbor Viety is a good choice. It looks a lot like a Leland Cypress. To the untrained eye, you may not be able to tell a difference, but I would say that uh, the one thing you may notice is that the foliage is not as blue-green as Leland Cypress. Blue-green foliage on Leland Cypress is pretty attractive, but the Green Giant has a true rich dark green in the springtime when the new growth comes out. It's a very bright, vibrant, springy, I would say, springy green. I don't know if that's a true color or not, but it should be in the landscape. And they are large cone-shaped evergreen trees. They look like Christmas trees, folks. They look like Christmas trees. And so when you plant them side by side or together, you get this thick, dense screen all year long. They maintain all their foliage all year long when it's healthy and happy, of course, and growing well, and it's going to block your neighbor. Now, size-wise, it's a little bit smaller than the uh, Leland Cypress, but we're looking at about maybe, oh, 35, 40 feet uh, tall and 25 feet wide at least, maybe a little bit wider. So you can get some good coverage both, both in height and width from this plant, especially when you make a nice grouping of them when you plant them closer together. So that's the next question is how close should you plant something like Green Giant or any of these other plants we talk about? Well, two feet apart is a little bit overkill, okay? That will be a very uh, dense screen that is going to thin out over time because plants will shade each other. But if you at least start these plantings about eight to ten feet, then you'll have two things that happen. They will have some space that they're not just growing on top of each other, but they'll also fill in faster. Because with screens, we want plants to fill in faster. So the closer we plant, the faster they'll fill in. Well, more about screens and screening, hiding that pesky neighbor when we get back from this quick break. Hang on tight, gang. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the new Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. <laughs> at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our 
our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together. So gang, maybe you are looking out your front window this morning or your side window, your bedroom, your bathroom window. Maybe you're looking off the back of your porch and you're thinking, boy, my neighbor's yard looks pretty rough. They've got some junk piling up. (laughs) They've got an old rusty car out there. They've got, I don't know what else, but it just looks terrible. How can I get that view out of my sight and create a beautiful garden that is surrounded by beauty rather than nasty? Well, that's easy because in the plant world, we have plants uh, that get very large, very wide, and they create beautiful screens, wonderful screens to hide anything. Uh, Many of them are going to be evergreen. Actually, the ones we talk about today are all evergreen. And of course, I remind you that evergreen means just what it sounds like. It's always green. Whether it's spring, whether it's summer, fall, or winter, your plant will have leaves on it. Many plants do drop their leaves. Those are called deciduous plants. And they're not ideal. They're not by any means ideal for a screen or a hedge Uh, unless you're okay with them dropping their leaves in the wintertime. I will say there's plenty of plants that do drop their leaves that make great hedges. And of course, hedges kind of infers that you are trimming them regularly, keeping that nice crisp edge to them. But with screens, you can, if they're placed appropriately, allow them to just grow. Allow them to just grow. Let them show off and let them grow. And we were talking about a plant called Green Giant Arbor Viety, which is a beautiful, very large evergreen conifer, which means it looks like a Christmas tree, basically. It does get quite wide, maybe up to 25 feet in its lifetime. But the beauty of Green Giant Arbor Viety is, like Leland Cypress, it does grow three to four feet per year. Three to four feet per year. So ideal for a screen, especially if you're going to be buying a lot of plants to uh, cover a long run and your budget will be higher, right? Your cost for plant material may be higher because you're planting them close and you've got 100 feet to cover. That could take, you know, several plants. So planting them young is okay because three to four feet per year of growth and you've got a beautiful plant. No problem at all. But there is another plant. I'm going to talk about a few, actually. But there is a beautiful plant from Japan, and it's called Yoshino cryptomeria. Yoshino cryptomeria. Well, it's not cryptomeria, I guess. Cryptomeria. And cryptomeria is also called Japanese cedar. It's not a true cedar, but it's a commonly called cedar in the trade sometimes. And this particular plant is much larger than Green Giant in its lifetime, Uh, It will climb upwards of 60 to 100 feet tall, and you could expect at least 30 feet wide, maybe a little bit wider. Very large plants, but the beauty of Yoshino cryptomeria, like Green Giant, is that they grow 3 to 4 feet per year. Now, with that being said, I should clarify that this growth we're talking about 
is, you know, three to four feet straight up off the branches. The density comes with time and with age. So you may see a three-foot tall plant hit six feet in one growing season with enough nutrition if it's in the right soil. And, uh, but you're not going to see the density. Not, you're not going to see the density for a few years to come. But Yoshino cryptomeria is not a very dark green. It's a very bright green. It's that spring green, but it's springy green all year long. And so it does add a different kind of color and also a textural value. They have very tiny leaves that are all clustered together and uh, they can really give you a fine texture. If you have some larger leaf plant nearby, this one will show off with the texture. Because you'll remember that I usually, from time to time, remind you that when you're trying to mix plants and get the maximum impact you possibly can, you've got to think about contrasting shape, contrasting texture, and contrasting color. And when you contrast these items or these characteristics, you will find that your plants look even better because they are looking different from one another. And it's that difference that really makes an impact. But Yoshino cryptomeria, um, not necessarily in our area, but a little further south, can suffer from a fungus. Not usually an issue up here in the mountains and the hills, uh, but down beyond the, um, uh, beyond the fall line past Macon, it can be a little bit of a battle, and you may have to use some fungicides. So uh, in our cooler, little cooler climate, <laughs> um, you'll find that these guys have no problem. The Oshino cryptomeras have no problem growing in your landscape. They'll do wonderfully. Now, another plant which is native to North America, not necessarily the southeast and more out west, but it's called the Arizona cypress. And, of course, it gets its name because it comes from Arizona and that part of the world. But the Arizona cypress is very unique. Now, it's, it's as large as these plants we were talking about, probably up to 40 feet tall or so, and at least 25, 30 feet wide, uh, possibly taller in its uh, elderly uh, life, life, elderly part of life. <laughs> but the Arizona cypress is very unique and distinctive because it does have that fine texture foliage like these other conifers. It's got a cone shape, pyramid shape, uh, Christmas tree shape, if you will. But the foliage itself is very ashy, almost blue. Some folks will call this plant blue because it's very much blue. It's less green and more gray-blue if, if there's any other color to describe it. They really stand out, whether it's wintertime or summertime especially if they're planted be, be, uh, in front of something that's pretty steady green because this blue will just shine in front of that steady green color. And it's a very unusual. It also looks very good when you've got the, the ashy blue of Arizona cypress mixed in with some yellows, maybe of uh, the gold mop, false cypress, or something like that with bright yellow foliage or the Florida sunshine anise. Bright yellows mixed in with greens look beautiful with this blue of the Arizona cypress. Now, the last thing that I'll mention is that it's quite drought tolerant. Because Arizona cypress is from the western part of the world, it has had to adapt and change in such a way and deal with very dry soil. Now, it does take some time, of course, for it to get established. But once Arizona cypress is established, it's going to need very little water from you. It will not just grow and uh, survive in drought, but it will basically thrive where a lot of other plants may not. Arizona cypress can handle that rough and tough conditions that we get in the summertime. 
So let's take a moment here to pause and recap what we've already talked about because these first three plants, the green giant arborvitae, the Yoshino cryptomeria, and the Arizona cypress are all three great alternatives to using Leland cypress, which of course is a very weak plant here in the south now. It didn't used to be, but it's become a poor performer. And so with all that being said, the point here is that these plants are going to give you that similar look to a Leland cypress, green giant, uh, uh, excuse me, green giant arborvitae, Yoshino cryptomeria, and Arizona cypress. Those are the big three alternatives to Leland cypress. But now I want to go into a discussion about some other types of plants that have very broad leaves, okay? All the three plants we've talked about, the cypress, cryptomeria, arborvitae, they'll have very small leaves. They're conifers. Well, these other plants we're going to discuss are broadleaf plants. And the first one we want to talk about is tea olive. Tea olive, sometimes called osmanthus, is a very fragrant hedge or screen. Because in the fall time, particularly around October, uh, and then on and off through winter, and into spring, actually, they may rebloom again. They put out these very small white blossoms that are clustered, clustered together. But just because they're small doesn't mean they're impactful. Because when they open up and start to bloom, you will have fragrance permeating around the neighborhood. That is for sure. People walking up and down the street will sniff and smell something beautiful, and they will wonder which plant it's coming from. And so a wonderful plant to put in the back garden where you may have some more private areas, patios or pools or whatever, uh, they will be green all year. They have very large leaves kind of looking like a holly, kind of looking like a holly. And with that in mind, they really can cover unsightly sights. Unsightly sights? Hmm. But anyhow, that fragrance that emanates, permeates the air is what it's all about with tea olive. And so when we get back from this quick break, I'll say a few more things about tea olive and how you can use it in your landscape to protect your back landscape from unsightly neighbors. So hang on tight, and we'll be right back with more screens for your landscape. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, plants have been used for a very long time to screen off, give privacy, and protect a space. And so on today's program here on New Southern Garden, we are talking about plants that grow quickly and can provide you with privacy, can hide unsightly buildings or construction whatever as i know in our area we've got a lot of development going on a lot of progress if you'll call it that and uh it comes with construction comes with you know maybe your lot being that unfortunate lot that gets the view of the warehouse well you can hide that you can screen that to where these plants will mask and you won't even know what's on the other side 
We've already talked about a lot of plants this morning. And so if you've missed any part of today's show, I would encourage you, in a few short hours, we'll be posting this episode on the interwebs or internet, whatever. And there, at NewSouthernGarden.com, you will find this episode for your listening pleasure. You can also find it on the podcasting apps on your smartphone or smart devices. And you can listen to New Southern Garden anytime, anywhere. Now, look, we're already up. We are nearing our 130th show. It's been, eh, this is two and a half years now, pushing into the third year. And we've got a lot of programming for you there that you can listen to. So if you want to be inspired during the heat of summer, then just chill out. Take a break with Nathan Wilson and New Southern Garden on your smart devices. Of course, we're on Facebook and Instagram, and you can communicate with us there because in a few short weeks, the end of the month, it'll be here before we know it. We'll answer your questions. We'll go to our mailbag and answer those questions that have been bothering your begonias and those other issues that have been agitating your asters. So be sure to check us out at NewSouthernGarden.com. Send us questions, and we'll be glad to help you succeed in your gardening adventure. Now, going back, let's go back into our Plants for Screens. Because plants for screens, uh, you've you got to be selective. You've got to make sure you're picking the right one. If you have a small space, you don't want to pick one that gets very large. But if you've got a space uh, that you do plant something large, maybe you just start trimming or hedging it. And there's no, no problem doing that. So before the break, we were talking about a uh, let's see, wonderfully fragrant plant. And that's called tea olive or osmanthus. Um, this plant can get very large, 10 to 20 feet. So you've got quite a range, but just know that it will hide most anything uh, on the other side of it. So it's a large guy, but uh, it can be trimmed. It can be hedged very easily like hollies. Uh, they do respond very well to pruning. So you can anticipate that even if it gets on the taller side, you can trim it down. You can chop it and keep it tight if you like. But again, other than the evergreenness that this plant provides us and the really good privacy that it gives us, it's the, it's the flowers. Not that the flowers are showy. They're tiny flowers. But guess what, gang? Those flowers are potent with sweet jasmine fragrance that you're going to be uh, sniffing and smelling for years to come. Very long-lived and it can work very well in the garden uh, in many different situations because the tea olive can grow in full sun or it can grow in full shade. And I have seen them in both conditions and I'll say that they're probably nearly just as dense whether they're grown in sun or shade. So very thick screens in a very versatile uh, way of using them. Now, let's talk about a couple of hollies, because hollies have been around a long time, and sometimes they, they get, uh, I think, underappreciated. Maybe we've used them for so long, people are tired of them or whatnot, but hollies can make a wonderful screen, because many of them get quite large. But today, we want to talk about one in particular that is 
very well known, I would say, is Nellie R. Stevens Holly. Nellie R. Stevens Holly, that's right, it was named after an individual, a lady, and uh, there's actually a book, I think it's called by Alan Armitage, Who in the World Was Nellie R. Stevens? I think that's the name of the book, and he goes through in his book and talks about plants that were named after people and who those people were, how these plants got their names, maybe not just named after people, but na- named after places or named after uh, certain certain somethings, but he explains it all in his book there, and Nellie R. Stevens makes the cover. Now, Nellie R. Stevens holly is a is a hybrid holly. It's got a little bit of uh, Chinese hybrid uh Chinese holly genetics in it, I should say. But regardless, a very large leaf, very dark green when it's growing well and is fed well. (laughs) I've seen them sort of treated horribly and they didn't look too good, but very easy to grow. It doesn't take much from you. It doesn't take much from you at all. You stick it in the ground, whether it is in full sun or maybe part shade, They can grow in some dense shade too, but they'll look their best in full sun to part shade. They can be quite large, 25, 30 feet tall, and maybe just as wide. They're quite pyramidal uh, when they grow, very wide pyramid. They tend to get a a big bottom, uh, a base, I should say, a very uh, dense base. But they do climb like a cone or like a pyramid. And so they make a very good uh, row if you're going to plant two, three, four, or ten of them together. They will get very dense and thick. And just like the tea olive, if they get too tall for your space, they respond well to pruning. Now they're going to try to resurge and grow tall again. So once you start pruning uh, and hedging this Nellie R. Stevens holly, just know that you'll have to continue to do it, uh, or she'll try to get right back at her height again. And the other beautiful thing about Nellie R. Stevens holly is, just like many other hollies, this does have a beautiful red berry. And it's not just beautiful, it's also very large. The berries are very large, and they are clustered in real tight clusters that themselves are very large clusters. And so over winter, because right now the Nellie R. Stevens, they have their little berries on them, but they're green. But over fall and winter, the berries will ripen to a very vibrant red, very vibrant red, nearly cherry red, and they will look beautiful with that classic green leaf red berry all winter long. You can make cuttings from them and bring them indoors during Christmas time uh, or Thanksgiving time for that matter just to spruce up and decorate the place with plants that you've grown in your own landscape. But she will do the job as far as hiding and screening unsightly conditions. We definitely want to keep those things that aren't pretty out of view and place in front of them something pretty like Nellie R. Stevens. Now, the last screen that I want to talk about, and there are plenty more that we could discuss, but the last screen I want to talk about is another holly. It's in the Japanese holly family, and the Japanese hollies have tiny little leaves. They do not have thorns on them like the Chinese hollies or spikes or prickles, whatever you want to call them. They're coming off the leaves. These leaves are soft to the touch, and they are small. Sometimes people will confuse Japanese hollies for boxwoods, because they are a great alternative to boxwood. But there's one Japanese holly called compacta. Now, compacta holly, 
you think because the name it would be small and dwarfed, and it sort of is, but it still can climb to 12 feet tall, maybe 20 if it's let go for a long time. But compacta holly, again, has these tiny dark green leaves that stay on the plant all year long. They become very dense, and you can shear them and shape them, even though we can call them a screen when they become, when you start to shear them and shape them, we may have to call them a hedge. So compacta holly is great to build a larger hedge with. It doesn't have to be a large hedge because when you start hedging it, you can keep it three, four, five foot tall. So very diverse type of plant material that is going to last in the landscape for years to come. Again, it's got a smaller leaf than the tea olive or the Nellie R. Stevens holly, and so it gives you a finer texture. And because of those small leaves, they recover well from the shearing and shaping, and they can look good all year, even after they've been sheared they'll look very well. So whether you are looking for a conifer like green giant arborvitae, Yoshino cryptomeria, or Arizona cypress, or whether you want something large leaves like T. olives, Nellie R. Stevens, and compacta holly, all these plants here are going to work well in a variety of soil conditions. Most of them will work well in sun or shade or some kind of shade, uh, but also they will keep their leaves on their plants all year long so that whatever is behind it, whatever unsightly or disturbing image is behind it, (laughs) you won't have to look at it one day of the year. They all grow relatively quickly. Uh, Some of these just as slow as two or two feet, maybe 18 inches a year, but at the most, they can grow three to four feet per year in some of these cases, and you will get a screen. You will get a screen that is growing fast, growing quickly, and growing well. Now, as I promised at the beginning of today's show, we are going to talk about covering the view. And we've talked about these six different screens or plants that you can use to build a screen to cover the view, whether it's something unsightly or you just want to create some privacy and intimacy in your space. And we're also going to talk about covering the ground, plants that cover the ground. So we're going to shift gears and look at plants that don't get large, but plants that stay very small. Now, just like with the screens, we could go on and on and on about dozens of different types of plants. So I'm going to try to squeeze in as many as I can, but not overwhelm you. I just wanted to uh, collect some of the best of the best, if you will. Now, Just like with screens, with ground covers, we look for certain characteristics in plants that are going to achieve the goals that are demanded. First of all, one of the first goals a ground cover must be able to do is cover the soil. We want the foliage to cover the soil on top, right? That would be leaves and stems covering the earth. Now, the second thing we want to do is to strengthen the soil down below. We want a fibrous, dense root system that is growing right underneath the soil, creating a mat, a dense mat below the earth to help prevent erosion. Because in many cases, especially here in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains, we're going to find that our soils, if left exposed on these slopes that we have, Water can just rush off and pull soil downhill with it, causing that terrible disease among soil, which is erosion. It really is a disease that we have to correct. And then the third thing is we want the leaves and the roots to grow quickly. 
So we want to cover the soil uh, above it. We want to strengthen the soil down below the soil, and we want the plant to grow quickly. And so all these plants we're going to talk about fit the bill, and there are plenty more that can fit the bill as well. So the very first plant that we may mention is one of my favorites, but it's called she's called Creeping Jenny. And trust me, folks, she is named appropriately. Creeping Jenny is in a very unusual plant uh, plant family called Lysimachia or group of plants called Lysimachia. And it is a very low-growing plant that truly does creep and crawl. And so with that being said, it has tiny little like dime-sized and round leaves along the stem that oppose each other. Very bright. Uh, there's a particular creeping jenny called Aria that you normally find in garden centers, and it is a very bright yellow chartreuse. Very good uh, contrast for some bright foliage because a lot of plants have dark green leaves. Well, the creeping jenny Aria has very bright green. And the beauty of creeping jenny, she grows in the sun, she grows in the shade. If she grows in the sun, she's a bit brighter, bright yellow. But she only gets about two, three inches tall. But folks, she can creep and crawl for feet. She can creep and crawl for many, many feet. And so when we get back from this quick break, we're going to crawl through it and talk about Creeping Jenny in just a second in more detail. Hang on tight, gang. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we have made it to the final segment of today's show. It always goes by so quickly, but the fun doesn't have to stop because you can check out every episode of New Southern Garden online at NewSouthernGarden.com, and you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram and your favorite pod podcasting apps. So if you get through midweek this coming week and you say, I sure do miss Nathan. I wish I could hear him talk about some more plants or gardening topics. Then definitely check us out online at NewSouthernGarden.com. While you're there, just leave us a question because at the end of the month, we'll be answering those questions. If you happen to have something bothering your begonias or agitating your asters. Now, back to today's topic of conversation. We're talking about plants that cover the ground, ground covers, if you will. We were talking about a beautiful ground cover that does a very good job. She's called Creeping Jenny. Lysimachia numularia. Oh, what a wonderful name. Let's stick with Creeping Jenny. Creeping Jenny, again, is just a very short plant, maybe maxing out at two or three inches tall, but it grows very wide. She grows very wide. In one season, you may see up to three feet of growth. Now, the key to her success, as with many of these ground covers, is that everywhere 
the plant touches the ground, it has a potential to start a new plant. And so she grows very quickly that way. But again, very round dime-shaped, dime-sized, round foliage that stays low to the ground and is a very bright yellow, particularly if you get the Aria cultivar. Now, how about a particular plant that may sound familiar? Uh, it's called creeping raspberry. Creeping raspberry. We're familiar with raspberries, right? They produce those beautiful, tasty uh, fruits in the summer. But this raspberry doesn't necessarily produce flowers or fruit. It does have a flower. It's not very showy, tiny white flower. Uh, not usually producing anything edible, but the foliage is very much raspberry. If you can remember what a raspberry leaf is like, well, this guy here, a creeping raspberry, has a raspberry-shaped leaf that's very thick and is very dark green during the year. Now, I will mention that they drop their leaves in the wintertime, but before they do, they put on a spectacular, spectacular fall color show and so those leaves as the sugars break down in the fall they'll turn every color from yellow to red to orange most of the time mixed in all on the same leaf and so even though creeping raspberry drops its foliage in the wintertime it does indeed have a beauty throughout the summer and into the fall. And, you know, with that being said, the, the twigs that are remaining over winter, they look nice too. They do have some nice architecture. And so they will cover the ground. They grow pretty quickly, uh, probably a foot, maybe two feet a year if they're very well fed and allowed to push, push, push their growth. Uh, but the other concern or the other thing I want to mention is that um, they, they don't necessarily, they don't necessarily start a new plant as quickly as Creeping Jenny does. And so you may have to plant these a little denser. They get a little taller as well. Creeping Raspberry could be up to about 8 to 18 inches. I don't know if they quite get to 18. Probably maybe max out at 10 to 12. But uh, you can mow them down and start them over if they get too tall. No problem. Just do that in late winter. Now, how about another evergreen? Another evergreen ground cover that we use and love and grows quickly is called Asiatic Jasmine. Now, Asiatic Jasmine is not necessarily known because of a jasmine-like fragrance or flower. doesn't really do much of that, but it is in the... Uh, like Confederate jasmine family. So it has potential, but it has those evergreen leaves that stay low to the ground. Now, this one could probably get up to 18 inches tall, and everywhere this plant touches, it produces a new plant. So you're adding uh, that strength to the soil with new roots, new roots being produced very rapidly, very quickly. Now, this baby here, she can grow. She can grow probably up to three feet in a year or in a season. Depending on how large your plant is and how large the root system is may determine if it can do that in the first year. But you will see, as a matter of fact, in, in the pots that they live in at the nursery, we have to trim them back about twice per summer because they produce so much growth. We've just trimmed them back a few weeks ago, and it looks like they're going to need another trimming pretty soon. So Asiatic Jasmine, very dark, small leaf, uh, fairly small leaf, but very dark green. The new growth is fairly bronze. It's kind of an interesting, uh, an interesting look with the new growth when it comes out. Now, there is one I want to mention, but I don't want to encourage it too much. Um, it's called periwinkle or vinca. Now, 
I'm not talking about Vinca Major. That's the big leaf Vinca. Big leaf Vinca is a no-no plant. Even though it is a great ground cover, it does escape cultivation and it can become a major problem. So use Vinca Minor. That's the small leafed Vinca. And small leafed Vinca performs more appropriately. It is an aggressive plant. All these ground covers could be considered aggressive because that's what we want. We want them to grow quickly and cover the soil and strengthen the soil with their root system. But vinca is a uh, vine-like plant, right? So it creeps and crawls, but it has a very dark green leaf. And then in the springtime, particularly, it has a periwinkle-like flower. And of course, that means sort of purple, sort of purple-like flower that's just covering up and down the stems. Very beautiful plant, very good ground cover. But be sure if you're shopping for vinca that you go for a plant that uh, is in the vinca minor group, the small-leafed vinca. Now, one last plant that I talk about, it's good ground cover, not quite as aggressive, but it could be used to like dot the edges of a pathway or creep in between some stones. And that is creeping thyme. Creeping thyme is a very good ground cover, but it's probably not quite as aggressive as these others. Uh, it can, it needs to be in full sun, actually. It needs to be in full sun. Some of the others can grow in full sun and part shade, uh, up to full shade, but creeping thyme likes it hot. They like it fairly dry too so don't put it in a wet soil area after all it is one of those herbs from the mediterranean and they do like it hot but they don't like it wet so that would be one of the causes of death for a creeping thyme would be wet feet keep them away from excess water but creeping thyme has very tiny 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 leaves and it uh, slowly creeps out maybe faster than we would anticipate but not nearly as fast as the ones we've already talked about but that tiny leaf can be used in the kitchen. You can trim it back. It's as much an herb as it is a ground cover. So if you use thyme in your cooking, you can essentially use creeping thyme in your kitchen. And they generally do have a small flower that sits on top of the puffball of a plant that it is, usually in the pinks and purples, and can give you just a bit of color, ashy color leaves, so it contrasts very well. Well, gang, let's summarize some of these ground covers we've talked about. We've got Creeping Jenny and her bright yellow foliage, Creeping Raspberry and its wonderful fall color, Asiatic Jasmine and its dense, thick, quick-growing, dark evergreen leaves, and Vinca Minor, Periwinkle with its tiny leaves and purple flowers, and of course, Creeping Thyme, which is a good culinary plant but doesn't grow quite as quickly and can give you some beautiful tastes, wonderful tastes in your kitchen. Now, with that being said, I wanted to just mention these ground covers today because a lot of people are still thinking about English ivy. And English ivy is a terribly invasive plant that I am battling at my own garden, and I don't recommend anybody to plant that, so plant another ground cover. One of these that we've talked about today will do the job. Well, gang, we've talked about screens to block the view. We've talked about ground covers to cover the earth. And whether you're trying to do one or the other, I hope this weekend that from New Southern Garden and myself, Nathan Wilson, that you stay well and grow well. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. 
Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's News Southern Garden Show.